Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. When you're in that real fast traffic, three lanes, real fast, huge trucks right behind you, you're white knuckling. You're afraid. It creates an awful lot of tension. You say, well, go to the left lane. Well, they're going 90 in the left lane. And plus, even though trucks are not supposed to be in the left lane, they are in the left lane. And they're going 90. And nothing. If you think 65 up your bahula is (laughs) nerve-wracking, try 90 in the left. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I love that word, bohula. Um, It's a Billie Jean King word. The first time I ever heard it, Billie Jean King used it. She also used a word that I love even more, which is to describe something she doesn't like, crapahula. She put hula, Billie Jean put hula at the end of a lot of words. Love Billie Jean. Um, Okay, a couple of things to get to. First of all, we're not going to have Jeff Ma or James Carville on the show today. James has sent in his picks. James was 1-0 last week. James went the under on Miami at New Orleans, and the under was like 37 or something like that, and it ended up being 23. Yeah. So James won that. He's 1-0, which makes him 33-38 and 38 on the year. He is picking Old Miss minus one over Baylor in one of these bowl games, and he's picking Utah plus four over Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I don't know that I would do that. Um, I don't know that I would do that. He also has a double play. On the over, Michigan and Georgia, which is tonight, Michigan-Georgia, um, the over is 45-and-a-half. He went over. Yeah. The, the number is 45-and-a-half. He went over. Uh, Jeff has the, the college games that he still has. Jeff's not done. Jeff's 2-1 and one from last week and awaiting three or four more bets. I think three bets. I think he's got an over, and I think you know he's, he's picked both college games. Right. So we are awaiting that. His big win was Clemson. Um, he had Clemson minus one, and Clemson won by more than one. So I wanted to put that out there for people who care about those picks. I also want to say thank you to Henry Kirshenman in Alexandria, Virginia, who sent me a long letter about his fandom for the Washington football team having been eroded under the new ownership. And by new, it's only because people who are born and raised here and in their 50s and 60s and 70s certainly remember Jack Kent Cooke as the owner before Dan Snyder. He said he sent a letter protesting the behavior of Dan Snyder uh, to every single owner in the league. Got one letter back. Mark Murphy. Oh, really? One letter back. Mark Murphy thanking him for the letter and saying as somebody who played in Washington, he certainly has following all of this closely. So he wrote me this letter to tell me all of those things. He's a fan of, not this show. He doesn't know this show exists. He's a fan of the <laughs> PTI show. So thank you to Henry. I wanted to tell, I mean, it's just one story. I mean, I thought I would tell one story from my trip. Um, those of you who have listened to the show for a lot of years know that I really enjoy going to Pinehurst, which is a golf resort, public golf resort um, in Pinehurst, North Carolina, which is about six hours from here, southwest of Washington, D.C., Pinehurst, North Carolina. It's golfing paradise. Um, I get treated very well there, and you say, oh, yeah, you're Tony Kornheiser. Well, and that's true, but I got treated very well there when I was a writer for the Washington Post, a paper that nobody in Pinehurst, North Carolina read. This is before we have online kids, <laughs> and they were very nice. They've always been very nice. They, I, I 
have talked about the restaurants I like and the hotels I like and the golf courses I like and so on and so forth. And now I've become friendly over the years with Alex Podlegar and Alex is the director of public relations at Pinehurst. And he's been very nice when I'll say, look, I'm going to South Carolina. I'd like to stop for a day on the way out and on the way back. And I say, can we play? And he always finds room to play with me, which is very nice. So we played the first day I was there, which was last Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day that was. I think Thursday. We played number eight. Pinehurst courses are by numbers. The most famous course, the most celebrated course is number two. Pinehurst number two has been the site of the U.S. Open a number of times um, and is in the rotation for the U.S. Open because the USGA, United States Golf Association, likes to have some public courses. That's right. Pebble Beach. And I understand it's pricey. It's going to cost you 300 or $400 to play, but you can play it. You don't have to belong there. Uh, Beth Page Black doesn't cost anywhere near that if you're a resident of Nassau County. Probably 50 60 bucks. You can play it. Beth Page Black hosts the U.S. Open. Pinehurst is in the same category. Hosts the U.S. Open. It's pricey. You can... Two is pricey. Okay, but you can play it. If golf is meaningful to you and you save up and you go there, you can play it. Um, and Alex is a pal, uh, and we, were, we played eight. Eight is off property. By that I mean if you go to the Pinehurst, the essence of the Pinehurst Golf Resort, um, you can take shuttle buses to a number of courses, including two, number two, which is right on the property. Eight is a mile, mile and a half away. I know where they all are. I've played, I've played them all. Eight's lovely. So Alex said, let's play eight. And we were going to be like the last people off, you know, about one o'clock. You can't send people off at two o'clock if it gets dark at five. <laughs> you you yeah. can't do it. I mean, you're not, it's not fair. So they all understand that. The people that go off later than, than one o'clock or so are often members of, of Pinehurst. You can join Pinehurst and have access to all the courses, you know, to some degree. I mean, you may not have priority, but then, you know, you'll play number eight and start at two because what do you care? Sure. You know, you're a member. Right. You're not going to play them all. It's okay. It's, you don't care. So we were going out around one o'clock and we get to the tee um, at one o'clock and the starter says, there's a guy waiting for you in the fairway. He figured it would be better to play with three than with one. It always is better. The more you play with, if you play with one, you run up against a foursome all the time. If you play with three, it takes you a little more time on each hole, and, and you have a better chance of having a round that doesn't make you very frustrated because you're waiting for every single shot all the time. Because there's nobody with less rights in America than a, than a single player at a golf course. No, because they're not letting you through. Right, yeah. No, you say, you know, sorry, Sparky. Sit back there for a while. You're a one. Sit back there. We're not, no, we're not letting you through. Okay, and this happens all the time at every golf course. Every golf course. So I say, well, what should we know about him? And the starter says his name is Argus, and he's from New Jersey. And I go, Argus? He goes, yeah, Argus. That's odd. I said, you sure he's not from Iceland? <laughs> no, he's from New Jersey. Gave me a look. So we tee off on the first hole at number eight, which is a downhill par four, fairly short par four, 330, 340, something like that. And Argus is out in the fairway. So we introduce ourselves. And he says, no, my name's not Argus. My name's Ambrose. I said, okay, nice to meet you, Ambrose. Ambrose, okay. He's uh, probably between 35 and 40. He's in good shape. He's a pretty good player. 
Um, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. Not better than that, but good. You know, better than me. Very solid. And chatty. Okay, what do I like when I play golf? It's just two things. Play fast and be chatty. If you're slow and deliberate and you're sullen, not only don't I want to play with you, I'd like to kill you. <laughs> it's just not fun for me. And so if we're going to play together, now in this case, I got, there's nothing I can do. We got Ambrose, he's got us. But it turns out Ambrose is delightful. He's delightful. He talked about the fact that he bought a place. You know, this over the course, you're going to be with a guy for 18 holes. It's going to be four hours, at least. He talked about the fact that he bought a place in the Pinehurst area, you know, um, a vacation home with his family. He talked about working in New York and living in New Jersey. He had asked me at one point, at one hole, he said, where are you from? Now, I, I, I don't, I introduce myself, I'm Tony. I, I don't try to go Tony Kornheiser and then stand there and wait for your adoration. I don't do that. I'm Tony. We're doing? playing golf. Right. We got Alex, we got Tony, and we got Ambrose. He asked me at one point, where do I live? I say, Washington, D.C. He says, well, I was born in Baltimore. I was raised in Baltimore. I say, that's nice. That's great. So we have that to talk about. Now, the tell to me, if someone asks where I live, it's that they don't know who I am. Right. Because if you know who I am and you watch the show, you know where I live. You know, I live in my attic in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so we're having, we're, and we're playing, and, you know, they're both better than I am, but I'm doing all right. We're having this really nice afternoon. Late afternoon, it's about 45 to 48 degrees, but there's no wind. We're bundled up, but we're playing. You know, we're each in a cart. We're, it's really nice. I learn a little bit about him. He learns a little bit about me. And, you know, and I just, I think to myself, well, he's a young man. He bought a vacation home in this area in Pinehurst. He likes to play golf. He belongs to the Knickerbocker Club in Westchester County, lives in New Jersey. I think to myself, he's probably in the money business. Sure. That's, that's my first thing is he's probably in the money business. If he were in another business, if he were in a business that he owned, if he were in something like that, if he were entrepreneurial, and you know, that, that would come out. Yes, that, that sort of that, info would come that, out. Yes. Yeah, that would come out. So we get to 17 or 18, and um, Alex mentions something about PTI. Okay. So I look at Ambrose, who I like a lot at this point. I really like Ambrose. Um, and it turns out he, he was in the stock business. And I just said to myself, yes, I got that one. Okay. Um, and I say, well, I, I do a television show. And he says, to his undying credit, I've been on your television show. Okay, so now he knows who I am. And right. he doesn't bring it up. And that's really nice. I said, what? And he told me he'd gone to school in Indiana. That was one of the things. He said, I went to school in Indiana. Oh, okay. From Baltimore. Went to school in Indiana. I looked at him. I said, you've been on the television show? He said, yeah. Do you remember the Bush push play? I say, sure. It's one of the most famous plays in college football. It's where Reggie Bush pushes Matt Leiner oh, right, right, over right. the goal line for a touchdown against Notre Dame. Yeah, that's right. I go, yeah. He goes, I was a DB on Notre Dame. When the ball was in the air, I just missed it. I just missed it. And, I, and there was a shot of me on your show. And I go, Notre Dame? Are you? 
I said, you, ooh, you said you went to school in Indiana. Yes, Indiana, Notre Dame. So now he's a starting DB at Notre Dame. This is fantastic for me. Right. This gives me so much to talk about because as people who listen to this show know, I believe that there are two schools in the United States of America. If you graduate from these schools, you are set with a safety net um, and, and a, a network of people to help you for the rest of time. And those two schools, to me, are Notre Dame and the United States Military Academy. And I've said that a number of times on this show. And I learned this from Joe Theismann a long time ago. And we began to talk about Notre Dame. And I mentioned Brian Polian. And he said he loves Brian Polian. He knows Brian Polian. He loves Brian Polian. He says he goes back twice a year. He says you can't believe how well they treat you when you go back. He loves Notre Dame. And then I looked closely at his wool hat, and it had the leprechaun on it. Okay. And I, I just was kicking myself because I should have known. And, and this we, we had a lovely, not long before this, we had a lovely round of golf. This made it even better. You know, because he was respectful of me, I was respectful of him, and we came to like each other, you know, as, as did Alex, just on our own. Right. Just on our own. Without all the extra stuff of like, you know. Okay. Yeah. So now what do I do after that? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to Google anybody. I don't do that. So I do the next best thing for me. I write two texts. I write a text to Brian Polian. I said, are you familiar with Ambrose Wooden? who was a player, not when Brian was there. Right, it was before his time, yeah. And he writes me back in a day, and he goes, Gilman High School, I loved him. What a terrific young man, so successful. He remembered me. He knew me. How nice is that? Brian is flattered. Then I go one step higher, as everybody knows, to the great Jimmy Dunn. <laughs> I did not mention Jimmy Dunn to... Ambrose at all. Right, didn't come go, up. Do you know this guy? I think he worked for J.P. Morgan at one point, um, you know, when I described him. And Jimmy writes back in – Jimmy's very terse. <laughs> he says, Ambrose, great guy, very successful, loved him. J.P. Morgan, no, no. What's the other big one? It's not J.P. Morgan. Do I have to look it up on my phone? Yeah, I'm, I'm not – I don't know financial institutions off the back of my – my head. Sean, you, you know any financial institutions? I'll look it up in the break. But he mentions that it was the other one. He was All right, at just Goldman for Sachs. He's at Goldman. Goldman. It was Goldman. Okay. He doesn't say Goldman Sachs. He says, no, Goldman. <laughs> Great young man. And then a series of emojis because Jimmy Dunn always <laughs> sends a series of emojis. So that's the way that I go to Google for people. I just write people I know who would know these people. So it, it was such – I can't tell you the sort of warmth I got by having that round, this sort of unexpected, not only is it an unexpected pleasure to be playing golf in late December right. at a place that I really like, but to meet someone new, not Argus, but Ambrose, <laughs> you know, and to just to have had this lovely conversation over a four hour period and then and then to see what an accomplished sure. guy he really was. And a guy that very cool. And a guy that didn't lead with it, be like, oh, you Not at go, all. Yeah. And that's... No, yeah. or not at all. Which something that you probably get all the time is, yeah, I, I love PTI. Do you have a minute? I have some ideas for you. <laughs> no, no. no, so it was, you know, it was really nice. I don't know that he knew that I did a podcast, so I don't know that he'll ever hear this, but... Um, no, that's lovely. It was lovely. It was a lovely day. So I wanted to tell that one particular story. I've got other How did you stories. play, by the way? Did you do all right? Uh, yeah, I was fine. You know, I hit the ball okay. I mean, I hit a lot of ground balls, too, where I go, oh, Tony, <laughs> you're so terrible. <laughs> but, we all, but we all had, you know, 
We had a lovely time. That's we had fantastic. a lovely time. And I, you know, I ended up playing from the tees that they played from, which is torturous for me because I can't. Sure. They're young. You know, they're young men. And Kids. they can hit it a long way. Kids. <laughs> Who can understand anything they say. Thank you, Sean. It's Goldman. It was Goldman. Um, so Jimmy knew that. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, finally, Michael Wilbon will join us. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X Chair Read. It's the holidays and you deserve a gift. How about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels and a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you'll be at work. I'm just trying to read that with a lot of emotion. <laughs> I mean, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of just the same dry read. I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I'm sitting in an X chair right now. This is not written. I love the, the X chair. I mean, I use it for the show. It's the greatest endorsement I can give. I use it for the show. I think you'll find it to be the most comfortable and ergonomic chair you've ever used. And honestly, it'll probably be the coolest looking piece of furniture you own because it's got the wings on top. Yes, it does. Wings are cool. Not only is X chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair. It can either cool or warm your back. Can your office chair do that? <laughs> I don't think so. So now is the perfect time to purchase an X chair. You buy early, you buy now. And here's X-Chair's holiday gift to you. You can save $100 off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at, you know, at my, it's not my website, but it's, it shows you listen to the show. And that's yes. how they track it, right? So you purchase it at xchairtony.com. That's the letter X, the word chair, T-O-N-Y.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. So go to xchairtony.com and save xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. Don't be stupid. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. When I don't know what to do When I don't know what to say When I don't know who I am anymore I take hold of myself, I sit myself right down, and I tell myself, on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati, Cincinnati, ooh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati just crossed the river from my old Kentucky home. Some say Cincinnati, some say Cincinnati. All I know is that's where I'm on to. All I know is that's where I'm on to. When you've read too much Louis Glick, when you've run out of good look, when Tom Brady's run off to the books, sit yourself right down, take hold of yourself. Tell yourself on oh, the Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ooh, Cincinnati. Just across the river from my old Kentucky home. Some say Cincinnati, some say Cincinnati. All I know is that's where I'm on to. All I know is that's where I'm on to. 
brilliant. Dan Byrne, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> And we get one more for him today. Uh, Dan Byrne, like on to Cincinnati, is everybody. And when you say on to Cincinnati, everybody knows what you're talking about. Everybody knows it's Bill Belichick. Everybody knows. All right, that's enough. Let's move on. Michael Wilbon joins us now. We missed yesterday, which is fine. I wanted to talk to Wilbon at some length about John Madden. So I didn't do this yesterday when Mike wasn't on the show. And I waited. And not only did I wait, but Wilbon, you know who I called last night? I called Al Michaels. Oh. I called Al, and Al, who worked wow. with John Madden and loves John Madden, told me this following story. It's a very small story, but he said this is emblematic of who Madden is. So they were eating dinner one night. They were on the road eating dinner at a nice restaurant, and Al ordered onion soup, but he said, I don't like onions, so I want the cheese, and I want the broth, and I want the bread, but I don't want any onions in there. And he said Madden looked at him and, you know, was perplexed by this. Didn't understand how anybody could order onion soup without the onions. So he asked for the chef to come out. And then he said, tell me how you would do this. How you do this without onions. Just tell me. And the chef sat down for 10 minutes to explain the process of delivering the good onion soup that Al Michaels wanted. And what Al said about Madden was... This is exactly who he was. Not only could he talk to anybody, but he was intensely curious about everything. And he would sit and wait for you to explain things to him, and he would remember these things forever, which is, I think, Mike, why he was so good at being the first guy at a telestrator. Because he actually, like, he understood how the puzzle fit, how piece A went into piece B and how it went into piece C, and Al just said he loved him. And I know, you know, you, you wrote me when he passed, you just said he's a giant, right? That's how you feel. Well, I think he's the biggest and most important person to the history of pro football. The, the biggest. Not to mention, yes, all these things like most beloved and all that. But, yeah. how I, but, 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 but John Madden, Tony, yes, he was intensely curious. But once that curiosity took over, he understood how to talk to you about that without yes. using jargon. He wasn't talking about the single high safety in the A gap. He wasn't. John Madden knew how to, he knew his audience. So I was, you know, I've spent more time in San Francisco the last six years than anywhere uh, in terms of uh, visiting a city. And you know, sometimes I'd arrive there really crazy early because I need to to start the day and do PTI and go to, you know, the Warriors facility and stuff like that. And I'd be in the car, having arrived in San Francisco, I'd be in the car crazy early, and, the you know, the driver would have on, you know, whatever morning radio he wanted to listen to. And one day I'm listening, and John Madden, is on in the morning, the first time wow. this happened. John Madden called into radio stations, his favorite shows, programs, hosts, whatever, all the time. And I, I didn't understand. So I was like, how is it? So maybe this is 2015 or something, the first time it happened. And I'm like, how is it that John Madden is on the radio just calling in some hosts? And so I called Ray Rattle. And I said, Rattle, what is this? It says, oh, yeah, 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 Madden calls this guy like three times a week. Three times <laughs> a week. And he's on, and he's talking about anything. 
He's on talking about anything and everything. And it was and you realize this was the greatest few minutes of your life that you landed and you got to listen to John Madden. And it was just, you know, I mean, I, we, we're across the country, and so we got John Madden on broadcast nights or afternoons or whatever it was. But there are people, man, in, in Northern California, they got him all the time. And I just I remember being so jealous of that, that that John Madden and yes his great curiosity, his great way of explaining things to people and talking to people, that this was like a gift to the area he called home multiple times a week. You're so right. He never talked down to people. He never did that. He never showed off. He wanted you to understand it the way that he understood it. And he understood that that was his responsibility to make yeah. sure you understood it that way by by not talking down to people. Never pretentious, ever. Look, no. I no, no, no. I never. I'm not sure I ever met John Madden. I don't think I have. I chatted with him a couple of times on the phone, but I don't think I ever met him. Had you? Did you ever meet him? I don't think yeah. I did. Yeah, a couple of times, and they, you know, they weren't like extensive chats right. or anything. They were like, you know, and Tony. You know, I was very fortunate in that I got to Al Davis took a liking to me, and I don't. I don't even. I'm not going to pretend to know how it happened or why it happened, but he did. And I was out. Al would let me come to practice. It's insane. Um, yeah, that's great. Once, once there, I met John Madden. There was another time, both in Northern California, um, and I don't even remember the occasion for the second one. It must have just been in a game that he was doing. And you had to walk through, you know, where the broadcast press box was as well. And he was, you know, I was like young. I was in my, I don't know, 30s, I guess 30s. I was terrified to say anything to him. It's John Madden. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not yeah. one of those people who doesn't remember him as a coach. Of course I remember him as a coach. And then, you know, he went right with no break, I believe. He went right to the broadcast booth. Um, he retired in nineteen like seventy nine, and then he went straight. Maybe to the booth. he he was thirty two when he got the job. Thirty two when he got the job. Ten years, so forty two when he left the job, and then went into broadcast. I mean, yeah. people talk about no second acts in America. He had a third act. I mean, it. it look, I'm yeah. too old for these yeah. video game things. But to millions and millions of people who play these video games, John Madden is God. Right, Mike? He's God. Tony, when Madden died, and I put up both hands to everybody in the house, and I said, okay, everybody's going to shut up now because I'm going to listen to all of this. I turned to my son. I turned to my 13-year-old, and I said, Matthew, do you know who John Madden is? And he said, Dad, of course, Madden, you know and he goes right into the video game because that's what he plays. Yeah. That's how he yeah. Yeah. That's how he consumes yeah. John yeah. Madden. And I said, did you know Madden coached? They said, no, no, college football or pro football. I said, the Raiders for 10, 10 years, 10 seasons. He had no idea. And so you've got now, we're talking, we're talking Madden coached in the, in the 70s or late 60s. Yes. Look how yes. many years we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, 50 years ago, and people now have a completely different impression of him. He has impacted not just the football culture, but pop culture in a way that's entirely 
unknowable. And to me, the two most beloved people in sports, they came to the place of being beloved very differently. But the two most beloved people in sports in my life are Muhammad Ali and John Madden. Yes. And, and, and Ali, of course, was hated first. And Madden yes. was never that, unless it was by the 49ers fans. But, yeah. but <laughs> that's, that's, you know, those two people to me, like, I, like whoever said anything bad about John Madden? Nobody, ever. Where would you, that, and where this would you is, hear that? This is a very good point. This is what I, what I said to Al last night was, I said, Al, you're great at play-by-play. You're one of the greatest of all time. We all understand that. But play-by-play people have a defined job. They are to take the game from point A to point B. That is their job, to take the game back and take you from point A to point B. So let's take play-by-play people out of what I'm going to say. And let's just talk about the other people, for lack of a better term, analysts. And I said the most important guy to me of all time was Howard Cosell because he understood television and he understood sports and and yet he was hated by as many people as loved him. He was gigantic. <laughs> yes, yes. Madden was revered by everybody. Like those yeah. two guys. Al worked with both those guys. Both those guys yeah. sat next to him yeah. for years and years. You yeah. know, and he was telling me the differences. Like he said, look, at the end, Howard was sullen. Howard was angry. Yeah. Howard was not yeah. a happy man. Not a happy yeah. man. He said John was always happy. Always happy. He worked with both of these guys, which is remarkable. And I'm trying to think of a third person. And I will tell you this. I think that if Charles Barkley did more stuff, I think that if his presence was greater, he'd be third on that list all time. But as it is right now, that is a list of two. That's a list of two. Right, Mike? Yeah, we talked about, John, I was with, with Charles last night out here in Scottsdale. And we talked about a lot of stuff, including Madden and just our, for guys our age, and I'm four years older than Chuck, wonderment, you know, over yeah. over John Madden. And so, yeah, Tony, it was, um, you know, it, it was, it was to, to, to get that news. And I know I probably shouldn't mention this, but I, I sort of have to be in a Chicago boy. I'm not sure how aware... Uh, people who listen to, to, to you and to anybody else outside Chicago, how much they knew of Jeff Dickerson, um, ESPN's just supreme yes. reporter, reporter covering the Bears, died of cancer at 44 years of age, it's a couple of the same days, John Madden. And it's not only did he die at 44, which is tragic enough, he died in the same hospice facility that his wife died of cancer yeah, in three story. years earlier. Yeah, and they both leave like a nine-year-old son. Mm. And he was he was so he was so respected that the 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 the, the commentary, the uh, adulation that came out about his level of work and professionalism, and nobody knew he didn't like. I mean, people knew that he had cancer. He didn't dwell on it. He didn't talk about it. He hosted like fundraisers for other people who had died of cancer. You're like, this guy is an angel. And to lose both of them on the same day. Uh, and, and one was obviously with John Madden is necessarily the news. But Dickerson is, uh, it was a wow. And it just left, you know, people, people where I'm from feeling empty. And, and Charles said to me, first, last night we first got the other day, how would you meet Dickerson? Tell me about that. 
because people who and Charles has so much radio and he does it in other markets and he's on shows regularly and he was aware of him. And uh, so yeah, that 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 was a a, a one two punch, Tony, that nobody was really yeah. able to handle. Yeah, no, I under, I understand that. I mean, obviously, Madden has a much greater reach, you yeah. know. All and and what you said before that he may be, well, you said he is the most important person in football ever. I think you're right. I think you're right about that because not only was he a great coach and won a Super Bowl, which is a big deal, and has he has. If I'm not mistaken, he has the greatest winning percentage of all time still. Yeah. Right, Mike? Yeah. Of all yeah, time. Because it's something crazy like and then he explained wins, the game. 32 losses and seven ties or something. It's insane. Yeah. Then he explained the game to people. And he brought he people into the tent. better than anybody. When people yeah. use the word double doink to describe the Bears' <laughs> tragic field goal, who, where yeah, the that's hell John Madden. they think the word, if it's a word, doink, came from? <laughs> Nobody ever said doink. And I I, just say this song too. You like I I am of that I'm that age where I'm old enough to remember Brookshire and Summerall. Old enough to remember Tom Brookshire. Yes. I was explaining to people here that he played for the Eagles. I didn't realize I think he was drafted by the Eagles as well. But Brookshire and Summerall, to me that was as good as you could get on CBS on a big game. On Sunday afternoon, and then, and then, Madden. you get Madden replacing Brookshire, which is, and you know, Madden did like the C game the first couple of years, and then finally somebody said, "Wait a minute, <laughs> hold on, we got this guy, and we're going to put him with Summerall." And so, just Summerall and Madden—that's the the greatest thing in sports. And so I. I you know, you just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm becoming so crotchety anyway. I just said to Cheryl, like, everybody that I give a damn about listening to or reading or any of that is dead. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's like Ma- Ma- Matthew says, Dad, everybody on your playlist is dead. I go, yeah, that's right. From Marvin Gaye to Aretha Franklin to Whitney Houston to Michael Jackson to Prince, Yes, everyone on my playlist is dead. And this is how I feel now about, you know, stuff like media, like like, like popular culture and media. I don't care about anybody who's left living. John Madden. And, and, I, and I looked it up because I wanted to find out when did Summerall die? It's been like nine years. And so no Summerall and Madden, man. It's just the, the world is not a better place to have lost them and to specifically John Madden, wow. Let's uh, let's make a warning out there. Don't get on Wilbon's playlist. It's <laughs> not, right. not, it. could be deadly. Yeah, Don't it's not, it. not the way to go. All right, yeah. one other question, I'll let you go. Your weather out there is not, is not what we expect in Arizona yeah. at the no. turn of the year, right? It's, no, 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 it's, it's, you know, this is, this is, look, I, I am not the weather student that you are. But it's either, I don't know, El Nino or La Nina, whatever the effect is, if it happens a certain number of times every, you know, 10, 12, 14 years. And so, no, it was in the 50s. It, it, down in town in Scottsdale, and I don't live in town. I'm in, I'm in, I'm up near Carefree. I'm in Scottsdale, but north in Scottsdale. It's in the 50s. Tony, we had so much rain that the rain woke me up. It was like, it was like a storm in the Midwest. And, and it's all anyone has talked about here. 
See, this is, here, this is what happened last night with Al. I called Al and I said um, I just assumed I was going to wait till a certain time to call you because I assumed you were just going to get off Bel Air. And he goes, nobody's getting off Bel Air. Five inches of rain today. Yeah, yeah. Five yeah, inches of rain. Whereas yeah. I played golf yesterday in Washington, D.C. at 53 degrees. I, the last thing I asked Charles last night as he left our house was, are you playing tomorrow? And he goes, are you crazy? I'm not playing in the rain, not this rain. Tony, it's, 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 it's like the monsoon. So it's in the 50s. Down in Scottsdale yesterday and moving toward Paradise Valley, something people will recognize if they visit it or spend any time here. It was, it was like 63, and, and the sun came out for a minute. But, yeah. of course, Tony, everyone's visiting. They're just, they're, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people visiting the state this week. And people are freezing. I went. I went out and bought two. Ca- I went bought cashmere and wool heavy sweaters, hoodies to wear. Mm. In I had, I, had, I had fireplaces plural on, and we're all talking about it. And how about this? So most people are here till like Sunday or Monday. I may be here a little bit longer than that. Um, and the temperature, of course, the moment we all leave, returns to hello seventy <laughs> and sunny. <laughs> You know, yeah. like on Monday. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, we just got to take all it. Right. But that's that's a it's a it's a weird thing here, and we hope not to see it again. Enjoy the rest of the time there, and I'll see you on Monday. Thank you, right, Michael Wilburn, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Yes, they save may be to the benefit of Bootsy and the Hammer someday. Most of their colors are muted, innocuous, green, blue, charcoal, gray. Our rooftop racks are removable, normally a nominal cost to you. And so I must stand up in defense of the Subaru. Brilliant. Dan Byrne is just simply a genius. He's genius. It's your bus, which might be a good way to think about us. We get you there, we take you there. You'll arrive with minimal fuss. If a motor vehicle operator partners act superior, so what? Have some Johnny Walker blues. Let's drink to the gnats and Shirley Povich and drink to brilliant if dan Byrne wants to send music we're going to play it and if anybody else wants to send music nigel how do they do it jingles at tony show.com we figured that was a great way to to send out the new year with two from dan Byrne today thank you dan pat 40 of sports illustrated joins us before we get to pat i'm going to read this email from john clo Long time, first time. I've enjoyed the TK show for years, but never felt compelled to write. However, three things happened last week to change my mind. First, my phone buzzed and notified me that my Missouri Tigers were wrestling Binghamton. That's a school I went to 30 years ago, wrestling against a school my favorite podcast host went to 50 years ago. Second, I went to St. Louis for the Missouri-Illinois basketball game on December 22nd. Before the game, my family went to the Midwestern for food and drinks and to catch the first quarter of Missouri's bowl game against Army. 
At the table next to us were four guys, and I was 95% sure that one was Pat Forty, a Missouri grad. I'm 53 and a little hesitant to interrupt a table at a restaurant with La Cheeserie. I decided to leave him alone. <laughs> then I went to the restroom. 30 seconds later, Forty walked in. My mind was racing. What did the Kornheiser show say about meeting celebrities in the restroom? <laughs> I finished and went to wash my hands at the sink. Once Forty had turned on the water at his sink, I decided I was safe. I said La Cheeserie. We had a brief discussion on the way out about Missouri sports, the TK show, and his children. I hope I correctly followed the celebrity in the restroom protocol. <laughs> Thirdly, when I caught up with... Uh, the That Name We Know episode this morning and Marching Mizzou's version of the mailbag theme was played. I decided it was finally time to write in. Thanks for all the years of entertainment. John Clo, Columbia, Missouri. Do you remember this incident, Pat? <laughs> Do you remember it? Uh, I, I hate to say this for old John, but it wasn't me. <laughs> I was watching that game at home in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, my son was there covering it, but... Do you think I it's would, your son? Did not attend that game. Wow. It's a Pat Forty impersonator out there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> you better get the police on this. <laughs> you better get the police on this. Why would anybody wow. want to impersonate me? Good God. And bathroom protocols. Very interesting. <laughs> All right. I mean, you if, are at, if you want, if I, you want to impersonate a Missouri graduate from the 1980s, I, I would say Brad Pitt comes to mind. You know, oh, not me. Yeah. Okay. Let me get to this. You're, you're where for Michigan, Georgia? Is that in Florida? Michigan, Georgia? Yeah. Is that yep. Miami? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's the question I have, and this is the old newspaper question. Why at that one? You could go to either one. Why did you pick that one? I just think better game. Uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be really good. I think both teams are very good. It's, it's also it's big brand football on both sides, and I, I love the Cincinnati story. I have championed Cincinnati at every turn. I'm glad they're in the playoffs, but I have covered a lot of semifinals that Alabama has played in, and they've been they pretty anticlimactic because they win, and they win easily, and they win big. So I, I am betting that this game is going to be the better game uh, and the more exciting dramatic game. You like Alabama to cover, don't you? I mean, I do. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a big number. It's almost two touchdowns. And I, again, I, yeah. I, I don't think Cincinnati's in over their head. But, yeah, we've seen Alabama, these situations, stomp on some people. You know, whether it's Oklahoma, whether it's uh, Washington, Michigan State, whoever. You know, they, they get in these semifinal situations. And you give Nick Saban three or four weeks and – Things tend to go one way, uh, their way, uh, rather emphatically. So let me get to, I think, the biggest story of these four games. In my mind, if I was writing a column, it would be Jim Harbaugh. Because five weeks ago, he was going to be fired, or somebody would scream, get rid of Jim Harbaugh. He can't win a big game. Look what happened with Michigan State. He's no good. Doesn't work. Get rid of this guy. And then people like me would say, well, his winning percentage is really good. He hasn't won those big games, but he's good for college football. And they'd say, so what? Get rid of him. Bring somebody else in. And now he's the toast of the town. And I find myself thinking that he's, he's the biggest story of all here. Do you think the same way that I do? I, well, look, I, 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 I aspire to think the way columnist Tony Kornheiser thinks. So, yes, I, I agree with that. Um, I it's been fascinating. He was on the verge of being, you know, run out of Michigan in yes. great 
appointment last last year at this time. They were you know they were trying to figure out what to do, and Ward Manuel changed his contract, cut his salary, made him redo his staff, uh, and and it all worked. I mean, Ward Manuel is the athletic director of the year for. Uh, the way he handled the Harbaugh situation, and Harbaugh's the coach of the year for handling, you know, a pretty humbling uh, set of circumstances and coming back and and have, doing a great job. Uh, you know, I was up there in October, and it was amazing, like how energized he was, how happy, and he, you know, he can be a a kind of taciturn, you know, eccentric, short kind of guy, and and he was so like effusive and enthusiastic about everything and you talk to people around the program it's like yeah he's been a different guy this year and it's uh it's a remarkable transformation back i think we always knew he was a really good coach i mean stanford shouldn't Went have been the super as good bowl. as they were then in the 49ers he takes the super bowl i you know he, he yeah. knows what he's doing he just kind of lost his way a little bit and now he's back yeah, I find myself rooting for him. I also think he's a good person. I don't know him, but I mean, I've read some of the things he said, and I think he's a a good person. I, I, I'm also curious, in your opinion, what's the best final? You know, what what is the one final where you say th- these two teams, they're the best? Not not as 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 teams, but in terms of an audience and bringing people to the sets. Yeah, in terms of story, basically, I would I would say Michigan Alabama. Um, Me you know, too. I mean, Me too. The, the Michigan fan base is humongous and starving. I mean, that's one thing. It's been clear down here in South Florida that they they got the majority of the tickets, and no, you know, no, no pandemic was keeping these people away. Uh, there's a reason the, the the flights and the hotels are extremely expensive because they bought them all, and. Uh, so they they really really are hungry for this, and if if it ends up um, a Michigan Alabama, uh, you know, two teams with hundred thousand seat stadiums and long traditions and no shortage of self confidence from a from a graduate standpoint, right. then uh, I think right. that would probably be the best storyline. Can I ask the obvious question? I may be wrong on this, but I thought a couple of years ago they played these games on New Year's Eve and the ratings were terrible. Because people don't want to watch this on New Year's Eve. And here we are, hello, New Year's Eve, and they're doing it again. They could do it tomorrow. You're probably going to tell me they made a deal not to conflict with traditional bowls. But traditional bowls are garbage. Once you have a tournament, who cares about these other things? So explain to me why this is being played on a bad ratings day. Oh, Tony, you're you're way too logical for college football. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> this, this is, they, the sport is is so dumb. It's so great and it's so dumb. Both. You know, they they do this to themselves and they do it because tradition rules and the bowl. You know, the bowl handouts have just warped common sense to a point where they you know they don't think. And so, yeah, I, I remember distinctly when they hatched the playoff idea, sitting there having Bill Hancock say to all of us, we're going to reshape New Year's Eve. We're going to make it a football night. It's like, no, you're not. No, No, you're not. That's not not how America operates. And the arrogance to think that because we want to have these games on New Year's Eve, everyone's going to stop what they always do on account of us. No, 
No, it didn't work. It's not going to work. I, I would imagine the ratings for Alabama-Cincinnati will be bad. It's a 3.30 game on a weekday. Plenty of people are working. Uh, it just, you know, if you want to have it when people usually watch college football, you would have it on New Year's Day. But, oh, we can't move the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is sacrosanct. It has to be played at 5 o'clock so that the sun sets over the San Gabriels in the third quarter and then the Sugar Bowl then has to be played that night because Mike Slive said it has to be played that night. I, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's incredibly stupid, short-sighted, does not serve the fans well, but that's college football. I, I just, yeah, I just find it absolutely amazing that college football is still being ruled by people who wear blazers and hand out money on January 1st without any sort of comprehension that nobody cares anymore other than the two teams that are in these bowl games nobody cares anymore and what they want is the is the two semifinal games and the worst day possible is new year's eve as somebody who i played golf with yesterday said to me how am i going to deal with my wife tomorrow night how am i going to say like this a ro- we're going to have a romantic dinner i'm going to say is it okay if i put the game on how am i supposed to deal with that Right, Pat? How do you deal no, with that? It, it's a disaster. It is. It's, a, it it's is. stupidity. It, it absolutely is. And it's, it's a decision that's made by a bunch of guys that are just accustomed to drinking the, the bowl Kool-Aid. You know? I mean, it, it's astounding that it can still be this way, but it is. The Rose Bowl says, we aren't moving, we aren't doing anything for anyone. Okay. Well, Screw the Rose Bowl, in my opinion. But that's, that's exactly. they, you know, they dictate everything. A parade, basically, the Tournament of Roses parade, to a degree, runs college football because everything has to happen around that, and then the game has to be played at that time on that day, and so everything else has to take a back seat to it. And it's just like it, it's astounding in 2021 that this is the way things operate. Um, uh, far afield from this. Do you think the NCAA tournament will be played this year? This is not the pros. When Omicron goes through a college campus, I'm sorry. You know, the pros can say we're going to play no matter what because we're doing this for money. And even though that's true about college sports, it's not vocally true about college sports. You have to try to pretend that you care about the students. You have to try to pretend you're acting in loco parentis. I don't know what's going on with Omicron, but I can see this not happening again. How about you? Um, you know, I think the, the, the money at stake will make it happen. Now, we'll see. Yes, we, I mean, your concerns are completely valid, and we'll see what happens mid-January when, when everybody comes back to school. There's plenty of schools already that are going like online for the first two weeks after yes, Christmas yes. break because, you know, you're going to give yourself that uh, 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 quarantine, basically, effect. Uh, but... I mean, it could be a very bad January, February, uh, you know, but I think they are dead set on having the tournament um, for for monetary reasons. And they will they will push through, uh, I expect. I mean, it was a six hundred million dollar loss, I think, when they didn't have it two years ago or in 2020. So, yeah, uh, Yeah. I, I don't think the NCAA can't afford to not have it again. And the school's. And CBS uh, can't really afford to not have it again. So I, I think we will we will have a tournament one way or the other. All righty. Um, I'll let you go. Uh, as I said off air, I'll now say on air, we got um, Brooks' swim cap frame by Framebridge. It looks great. It's part of the 
permanent exhibition of this podcast, and by that I mean I got to find a place to put it. But it really, it really looks great. So thank her for us, and um, and we'll talk soon. Enjoy the game. Thank you, and she thanks you guys and everybody, the whole audience, for all the support. So let she's a read to everybody. Happy New Year, Pat Forty, boys and girls. We'll be back with email and jingles or emails and jingle. Yes, one Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Hey, Tony! Come on, come on. Hey, Tony! Read that mail now, baby. Why did they break up? I don't know. They're a fan- pink hangover. Why did they break up? They were fantastic. Maybe 2022 we'll see the reunion tour. So Maybe. crazy. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, us. thank you. Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. All right, that's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, you're going to be hearing this a thousand times tonight. Should old acquaintance be forgotten, never brought to mind. Should old acquaintance be forgotten and days of old Lang Syne. Thanks to our guest today. Michael Wilbon, Pat Forty, thanks to uh, X-Chair. We only have one sponsor. I don't know if we're going down the drain or not. (laughs) And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Let's do a couple of uh, emails here. I have from Bob Gray in Prince Edward Island, and he says, true, north, strong, and free. I love that. (laughs) He goes, my maple syrup is boiling mad. Calgary Stampeders, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Edmonton Elks, was always Eskimos, but that's grouped with the WFT former name and was jettisoned this season. Yeah, we got this that. This is in response to Saliza saying something. Yeah, right? and I got it wrong as well, so my apologies to uh, the From fine Christian Ormel, on the last Tuesday's show, Saliza attempted to impress your show's many Canadian listeners by saying he loved the Edmonton Rough Riders. Then Nigel corrected him by saying it was the Calgary Rough Riders. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, yeah. but their confusion can be forgiven because for many years there was also a team called the Ottawa Rough Riders. Yes, yes, for decades, the CFL, with only a handful of teams, had two with the same name. Ottawa's team is now called the Red Blacks because, wait for it, their colors are red and black. We're very creative up north. Very nice. Uh, from Alan Weldy. Long time, first time. I plan to drop you a note about a girl named Tom winning on The Voice, but another little beat me to it. Glad to know the other listeners recall when you played some of their music. Perhaps a girl named Tom could be the official Mennonite sibling trio. It's a sibling trio of the podcast. I don't have a David Aldridge moment with the group, more like a David Aldridge relationship. The Lichty brothers attended Goshen College at the same time as my son, who roomed with the middle sibling their junior and senior year. Because the woman I'm related to by marriage and I were living in Goshen at that time, we got to see Caleb and Josh Lichty perform in different choirs and musical groups over a several year period. More importantly, we got to host them in our home for meals on a semi-regular basis. Around the time they first went on tour, my wife and I had moved to Sarasota, Florida, where we were able to host the group for a concert in our living room, attended by 40 of our friends and neighbors. What I really want to convey to you and your listeners is that their amazing talent does not come close to reflecting what humble, well-grounded young people they are. In the midst of all the lousiness in which we currently live, they bring a sincere smile to faces of those in their home community and schools they've attended, as well as their family and many friends. I will close by thanking you for the joy you bring so many of us. The woman related to me by, ma- by marriage fears that you and I have too many similarities, <laughs> something I proudly or foolishly embrace. A co-worker recently confirmed that by calling me a curmudgeon. Higher praise I've never received. <laughs> Alan Welby. Thank you, Alan. From Tom Cook in Redondo Beach, California. 
Bonjour, mon ami. I know you are not a you are not a devotee of Hallmark Christmas movies and would rather watch a three-hour documentary on the rivalry between Gene Sarazen and Gene Littler. Carol is a big Hallmark fan, and in your absence, all televisions are turned to that channel. Here comes David Aldrich. My daughter Rachel Lee Cook just released a Christmas film, Tis the Season to be Merry. As you stumbled into your den and fumbled for the remote, you likely saw Rachel. As I am a long-time little, I am counting this as a connective Kleenex. Thank you for all your mirthful memories over the years, even if you don't read this on the air. Again, Tom Cook. That's lovely. Congratulations to Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook, big fan. She was, um, you, might, you might have seen her movie called She's All That a number of years ago. No, she, she's terrific. That's, That's great. Yeah, it's That's very, great. Cool. very cool. From Adam Lipper or Lipera in Haymarket, Virginia. I have an alien. That's a golf club. That My dad has an alien. We both hit them well, but then again, an armless man could hit the club well, too. <laughs> it's the point of the club. It also works great as a 56 or a 58-degree wedge from the first cut as well. I feel like a total dork when using it, but then I get the last laugh when the fogies I golf with take two-plus to get out of the trap. <laughs> Eat it, you old farts. Get an alien. <laughs> or better yet, I will trade you my alien for the Holtby stick. Let me know, Grandpa. <laughs> P.S. If you want to come golf, I'm a member of Dominion Valley Country Club. It's an Arnold Palmer design course. Ever heard of that guy? <laughs> yeah. It's great. I want to get an alien, I think. Rory Kimberlin in Gardner, Maine. While catching up on the pod, I heard you say northern Maine is essentially Norway. I know those places. I've been to Oslo. My mother was born and raised in northern Maine, or the country, as they call it. The people are short and less attractive. The coats aren't as nice, and the scenery starts with pine trees and ends with potato fields. Basically, the only commonality is the cold. But if the people were beautiful blondes standing a foot taller, wearing Helly Hansen jackets while overlooking fjords and enjoying health care, then it would be like Norway. Either place, the English is heavily accented. It's a brilliant email. Rory Kimberlin, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Rory. And we'll get out on this, right? The music ended and I just didn't hear it end. Yeah. I'll do this one thing. From Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, in Columbus, Ohio. Dear Tony, I have 11 outlets in my kitchen. Eat it, Grandpa. <laughs> You're out on your bike tonight, everybody, as always. Do wear white. Okay, we wound up 5 and 11. Not very good. Five and 11. Uh, not but the there worst. was some worse than us. I guess that's one yeah. positive way to look at it. We weren't the worst team in the league. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. When I don't know what to do, when I don't know what to say, when I don't know who I am anymore, I take hold of myself, I sit myself right down, and I tell myself, on oh, to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, ooh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati just crossed the river from my old Kentucky home. Some say Cincinnati, some say Cincinnati. All I know is that's where I'm on to. All I know is that's where I'm on to. When you've read too much Louis Glick, when you've run out of good look, when Tom Brady's run off to the books Sit yourself right down Take hold of yourself Tell yourself on oh, the Cincinnati Cincinnati, Cincinnati Ooh, Cincinnati 
Just across the river from my old Kentucky home Some say Cincinnati, some say Cincinnati All I know is that's where I'm on to All I know is that's where I'm on to They save may be to the benefit of Bootsy and the Hammer someday. Most of their colors are muted, innocuous green, blue, charcoal, gray. Our rooftop racks are removable, normally a nominal cost to you. And so I must stand up in defense of the Subaru. Backwards, it's your bus, which might be a good way to think about us. We get you there, we take you there, you'll arrive with minimal fuss. If a motor vehicle operator partners act superior, so what? Have some Johnny Walker Blue. Let's drink to the Nats and Shirley Povich and drink to the Subaru. See you.